Awesome stuff. Man, we're so excited to see each and every one of you guys here. Would you look to your neighbor and say, hey, it's good to have you here today. Maybe that's the first time you've talked to your spouse in a while lovingly. You're welcome. Man, we're so excited that you guys are here today. Uh, let's go to, directly to Scripture this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47 reads this. Then David said to the Philistine, You've come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I have come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, look at your neighbor and say, this day. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not a year from now, not progressive, but this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. We've been in a series called The Weapons of Our Warfare. The first week we talked about how faith is one of those weapons. The second one last week we talked about how obedience is a weapon that's in our arsenal. We've learned that the goal of, of strongholds being destroyed, uh, the, 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 the thing that needs to happen in our life is obedience. Disobedience actually strengthens the strongholds in your life that the enemy has trying to, to trying to keep you back. So we learn that surrender leads to salvation. It's obedience that leads to victory. And we're believing for a church that's not just going to be walking in a, a surrender that leads to salvation, but an obedience that is, uh, allows us to walk into victory. This morning we're going to talk about the process. How can the process of life, testings, trials, victories, and lessons become a weapon in God's hand. Let me give you a kingdom principle here this morning. The prayer of commitment will take you through the process to become the product of God. I want you to memorize three words with me this morning, and I want you to repeat them after me, all right? Prayer, process, product. From the prayer of commitment, you'll be taken through the process to become the product that God has for you. You have a choice with the prayer of commitment to Jesus. You do not have a choice about the process. All God's children go through the process. The fancy word is sanctification, but for this morning, we're going to use the word process. And there is no avoiding the process that God uses in our life to shape and mold us into the people that we've asked him for to become in our lives. We read in Jesus, in the book of Matthew chapter 4, that his ministry began being welcomed to the process. Here's what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hold on. The Holy Spirit led him where? And to be tempted by whom? If Jesus could not avoid the process, neither can you or I. It is in the process, it's best to learn in the beginning like Jesus, that you find that the battle is real, but you also find that the enemy only has the authority you give to him. Jesus learned early on in his process that the enemy was like a roaring lion. He wasn't an actual lion. He was like a roaring lion. Let's listen to what James chapter 4, verses 7 says. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God... Resist the devil, and what does it say? He will flee for you. It's a promise that we have. A lot of people get into the process and get scared off by the enemy to becoming what you're called to because sometimes the enemy tries to scare you to a place of inaction. Jesus knew that there were three ways to give the enemy authority over his life. The first way is that you become disobedient to God's word. And the enemy will oftentimes or sometimes use a right, a thing that seems right, to bring about a wrong. But what did Jesus do? Jesus understood it wasn't just the word of God that was freeing. It was a properly applied word of God that brought freedom. So many people in the body of Christ, because of lack of knowledge or even ignorance to, to God's word, find themselves being subject to the enemy when the word of God teaches that it's, it's something that we need to do to get our thoughts and our processes and our actions to obedience. 
So disobedience to God's word can give the enemy authority over my life. The second thing is this, the ignorance of God's word. Hosea 4, 6 says this, my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. Some of you are facing strongholds in your life, not because you don't have well-meaning or well-intentions, it's just because you don't know. And if you don't know, how are you supposed to win the fight? My, my hope, my hope in these last two lessons is to encourage you to a place of faith and obedience. That if you will find yourself at a place of faith and obedience to God, very soon, soon thereafter, you're going to find some victory in your life. The third area that you can give the enemy authority of your life is void, being void of faith in God's word. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The story of David gives us a great example of the process producing the product of God. There are no overnight success stories to becoming the person that God wants you to become in the long run. It takes a process. A lot of times we say, God, would you allow me to defeat the Goliath? And God puts a bear in front of you, and most of us run from the bear. We say, okay, Lord, we'll do the bear, but then there's a lion? Most of us have to understand it's in the process that God produces the product. We have to be careful that experience or outcome should not replace full and convicted belief in God's promises over our life. Let me give you a couple things to ponder before I start preaching here this morning. Don't blame the enemy for attacks originating from disobedience, ignorance, or faithless Christianity. It's very simple for believers to say, well, the enemy's coming against me when you really haven't looked at the disobedience that you're living life with. Or what about the ignorance of the things that you should be putting in play, but because you will not go and ask or will not go to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, get the correction that you so desperately need? Or if you find yourself being a casual or complacent Christian, I believe we give the enemy far too much credit. I believe the enemy can be a tool that God uses, see Job, for his glory, but largely the enemy gets a lot of credit for us really just being us. Look to your neighbor and say, I want you to win this morning. I want you to win this morning. So pay attention to this pastor this morning. Second thing to ponder, as a result of living in the fallen world, we are going to face trials, testings, and battles of all kinds. Some of us are going to face infirmities and sicknesses. Some of us are going to face job loss. And some of us are going to face financial hardship. It's not that we are void of facing those but we have to be the kind of believer that believes in conviction that Jesus is the answer for whatever we face. In the end, what I want to talk to you today about is how Jesus gave us the gameplay on how to defeat the enemy. See, the wilderness teaches us that when you stand in faith and obedience, all that the enemy is is found in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be alert and sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Today is a good day to begin to stand in your life. If you believe that, give Jesus one big round of applause. Today's a good day. David knew this. David wrote in first, or it was said of David in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that he spoke, You've come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He knew that the weapons that were going to defeat the enemy weren't weapons that were carnal, but they were supernatural. I want to just point out three things about this story this morning to try to infuse some faith and obedience in your life so that you will run through the process that God has for you in a, in a joyful way. First is this. Do you, know, do you realize that more space was given to the verbal battle than the actual battle that was faced? I want you just to, to lean in with me this morning as I teach you some valuable spiritual lessons, some kingdom lessons. If you were to just take the story at face value, there were many scriptures that involved insults and hurlings and announcements going back and forth and very few scriptures that actually talked about how the battle was actually won. More time was given to the verbal battle, or the mental battle, or the battle of the mind battle, than the actual battle. 
It's important for you to understand as a believer that the enemy's best shot at defeating you in battle is to convince you that you have lost before you even got to the fight. How many of us will not show up to the place of obedience or faith in our life because of what happens between our two ears? See David's brothers. Showing up is not equivalent equivalent to fighting up. I, I believe just one of the observations that I've made as a believer reading scripture and watching people's lives, that most people are defeated by the enemy or their flesh or their disobedience before they actually get to the fight because the enemy scares them in telling them that they can't win. Let me, let me give you some faith here this morning or, or some, some context of where I want to try to get our church to. If you're convinced that God can't, you won't. But if we're convinced that the, that the, that the best days are behind us, they are. But if you're convinced that God can, you will. And the kind of faith that we need to be injected in the body of Christ is, is the kind of faith that, that says, my God is not just able, my God is more than able. Is he more than able? He's more than able this morning. More space is given to the verbal combat than the actual physical battle. I love listening to what Goliath's um, charge was to, to David. He, he mocked his shepherd's staff. Here's what he says. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And he pronounced a curse on David by his gods. I, I want you to, to know that the enemy will always downplay the thing that you are in God because it's actually that thing that will defeat him. It's the place of attack that the enemy is actually most scared about. And so you've got to know that you're in this war. As we've been talking about the last three weeks, when you, when you sign up to be a believer of Jesus, you're not coming to a cruise ship. There's not like a free buffet that you get and, and go-kart rides on the top deck. I mean, when you sign up to be a, a, a part of the army of Jesus, the army of the Lord, you're not coming to a cruise ship, you're coming to a battleship. And the moment that you say yes to God, the enemy is put on high alert because the enemy knows that if you ever get set free, truly set free, and walking in victory, it's not just going to stop with you, but it's going to spread. It's going to spread to your family, your children, your legacy, your coworkers, your, your classmates. And so you have to know the reason why you're in a battle is because if you ever understand the authority that you walk in as a believer, it's not just going to affect your family and your lineage, it's going to affect the people all around you. I had the privilege of watching my father who came to the Lord first in his family. He led, think about this, he led 150 of his family members to Jesus. 150 of them to Jesus. I, I remember... Uh, driving up to a trailer park in Oroville, California. Everyone know where Oroville's at? It's Oroville, California, right? I didn't grow up in a, in a, actually a better place, probably a worse place. I grew up in this place called Linda, California. It's like Oliver's Linda. You, everyone's nodding your head if you know where it's at. You can't cap on my, ba- my hometown, only I can, all right? I, only, I, I reserve the right to say some bad things about my hometown, but you can't. But I'll, I'll never forget going to this trailer park with my father. I was a 10 or 11 years old. And uh, we, we were going to go see my Uncle I.B. And my Uncle I.B. was living in this trailer park. And if, if you uh, ever walk into those kinds of trailer parks, you know there's a lot of shady stuff happening. And we knocked on this dilapidated trailer, and we walked in, and the, the place was just messy. And so uh, my uncle was, was a little embarrassed, so he came out and sat down on a, on a picnic bench. And I'll never forget, here's, here's my dad's gospel pitch to my Uncle I.B. You ready for it? You remember me before Jesus found me, correct? And my Uncle I.B. said, yeah, you're messed up. And you said, you see me now after, after Jesus found me. And he goes, yeah, you look like a pretty good guy. And my dad said, it's because Jesus makes all the difference in the world. And he began to do this short gospel message. And on that picnic table in a, in a trailer park in Oroville, I watched my father lead, lead my uncle in a simple prayer. And it was amazing because God's timing is never a mistake. It wasn't very few months later that my Uncle, B, uh, uncle I.B. died and went to heaven. 
What you have to know is the enemy tries to keep you trapped because trapped people can't set other people free. But free people can actually free people. And so oftentimes, though, what we do in the church or we do as a believer is we will abandon the process. We see this constantly as pastors or, or people that are in, 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 in relationship with, with, with other believers. The moment that the Lord starts to, to surgically try to take an attitude or an action or a thought or a disobedience out of somebody, especially a believer, and things begin to get uncomfortable, well, I'm going to a different church. Well, that pastor offended me, or, or this church did something wrong. And I'm not saying that those things can't happen. I'm saying you have to be careful that you do not abandon the process by which God will use to grow you. Believers, you ready for this one? As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Have you ever seen iron sharpening iron sparks fly? It's not a comfortable process. And so, you know, we talked about life groups this morning. You guys have to know that part of your growth journey in Christ is going to involve, look to your labor to the left or right of you, is going to involve them rubbing you the wrong way. It's not a matter of, of if, are you going get, well, if you'll get offended. It's a matter of when you'll get offended. And so you have to know that the process, whether it's people, whether it's life, whether it's living in this fallen world, whether it's, whether it's going through testings or trials, I'll never forget that, that poster that was up in my, uh, my church's Bible college room. It was the most idiotic statement I ever heard my pastor say, but he put it on a poster. Here's what, here's what he said, Lord, give me enough testings and trials this semester to produce in me the man or woman of God you want me to become. I mean, how dumb is that? What dummy would pray that? But he understood the kingdom principle about the process. That a lot of people love or, or will start at the prayer of commitment, and the moment that they go through the process or start to go through the process, they understand that there is a rubbing, that, that there is a, a potter to a clay molding that has to take place. And the moment that the Lord says, I'm going to have to mold you, an attitude, an action, an, uh, um, some, some unbelief, some doubt, some things that you've got wrong, if you're not careful, you will take something personal in offense that God is trying to do in you that's going to cause you to advance. And so what I, what I want to be a part of, I want to be a part of a body of believers that believes in advancement. We talk about deep things, right? And, I, and one day we'll get there. I mean, I, I've, I, I, I even shudder not to go there right now, but we, we talk about the deep things often in church. Like, give me the deep things. I, I want to know the, the Jewish history and customs and manners. And I want to know, know in context the, the Greek and Hebrew words. And those things are so important. But you will never get to the deep things unless you are allowed to win in the elementary things. And the elementary things are, how about this one? How about you love your neighbor? How about you stay committed to the process that God wants you to walk through for the shaping and forming of your life? We can't be after just deep knowledge when God is calling us to deep obedience and love. That's a good word, Pastor. You just keep stepping on my toes, all right? You see, the enemy that we face hopes to, de to defeat you through mind games and before you get to the battlefield. Mind games are meant to seek and destroy the place of faith found in our hearts. Pastors are not void of the mind games that the enemy plays on a congregation or a leadership. Board members are not void. And so if, if even the most mature believer is not void, if you're a new believer, we had 12 or so people raise their hand for salvation last Sunday. If you're new and you're new to the faith around here, I want to be the first one to level with you. From the prayer of commitment, there's going to be a process. And I want you to listen to me. There's going to be at times it's going to be hard. But man, is it worth it. Is it worth it to see your kids fall in love with Jesus? Is it, is it amazing to see how blessings of obedience come your way because, because you're doing the right things according to the word of God? 
You've tried a lot of things in this life, haven't you? You've tried drugs. You've tried chasing money. You've tried chasing businesses. You've tried owning and, and chasing all the material things you can in the world, and it's left you empty. Why not try ch to chase this? Chase the Word of God and commit yourself to the process. Commit yourself to being a person that is willing to go through the process. Because, man, isn't it amazing? When you go through the process, you get to become the product that God has for you. I love that Goliath's insults led to David's announcements. It's very important that you learn the lesson that David teaches that he wasn't arguing with the enemy, he was declaring to the enemy. The power of declaration in a believer's life is so important. When the enemy tells you that God has abandoned you, the power of Scripture is that I serve a God that will never leave me or forsake me. So you have to understand that you got to get some weapons, some, some, some knowledge, some obedience into your life to destroy the enemy because the enemy will try to attack you at the place of, of, of a lack of knowledge and a lack of obedience or understanding. So it's important that you're able to declare. So the enemy, again, the enemy, Goliath, that shepherd's staff that you have, you're just, you're just a lowly shepherd. You, you pose no threat to me. And I love what David's response was. I, I'm going to make an announcement that today, and I want you to listen to me, not tomorrow. Please listen to me. Not a week from now. Not two weeks from now. David said, you're not facing somebody that's going to face a fight and, and push it to tomorrow. You know the devil's favorite words, tomorrow? I'll be obedient tomorrow. I'll make, I'll make that change tomorrow. David's faith said, it is today. Like right now in the middle of this service, I'm going to commit to the process by which God has me. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about the many processes that, that we're going to walk in in life. I really liked the process when, it, when I was in my 20s because it seemed like the tide of life came in. I got married. I got my first job. I got my first car. I, I, a lot of firsts. And life, wasn't life amazing? And then you get older and the bed hurts you when you turn 40. <laughs> I got some friends in the room. And then, then you get older and your father passes away and you learn that life is not just handling what is brought to you, but what's taken away from you. Like the, you understand the process. Ecclesiastes talks about the process. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. There's a time to celebrate. There's a, there's a, time, for, there's a time for war. There's a time for peace. Life and its processes no matter if they're joy-filled or mourned-filled, if you'll allow God, God right where you're at doesn't cause those things. He will use them to shape in you the man or woman of God that you're supposed to become. And so I want to encourage you. There's many times, man, where, where I have felt like I was on top of a mountain and being mightily used of God. And those are great moments, but in a believer's walk, there's probably fewer of those mountaintop experiences, and you actually learn fewer lessons in victory. But in failure, and, and shall I say defeat, those moments that we wish we could buy back as, as a believer, in those moments, we actually learn a lot more. And so I want to encourage you, if you find yourself looking at the scorecard of your life this morning, and there's a lot more negative than positive, I want you to know that he is the God that can take any situation at any time in any place and turn it for good if you'll allow him to be the God of your circumstance. I mean, in, in a size of an auditorium this big, I can't, I can't even begin. I know some of the stories that are represented here today. I know the loss. I know the mourning. I know the victories. I know the it is, it is a weird place to be in the body of Christ when you can go from one conversation and you hug somebody with tears and the next moment someone just got a job promotion and a raise or a birth of a child. It is a, it, it, being able to be in process with people, I'm, I'm just trying to explain to you, it, it doesn't matter what process you're in, God can use your circumstance 
for the benefit of you and your family and yours. If you convince yourself that God can, He will according to His will. If we can convince ourselves by faith that the best days are ahead, they are. You have to first and foremost get to the battlefield and say, Lord, whatever is going to be faced, I'm going to be facing with. I recognize that you're with me and you're by my side. And my encouragement to you as your pastor this morning is do not run from the giants that are in front of you because those are the stories that you're going to tell your children's children about the goodness and greatness of God. No, none of your grandchildren, none of your children want to hear stories about how you ran from a fight. The generations that are going to come behind us in this church don't want to hear about the missing 20 or 30 or 40 years when we did nothing by faith. Are you listening to your pastor? Nothing of significance in this life will happen without prayer and faith. Nothing. It's going to require us to be people that are willing to run towards our giants when other people are running away or just sitting by. The second observation that I have about the scripture is this. The battle is truly won through a proper mix, proper combination of knowledge and obedience. You know, knowledge without humility puffs up. And obedience without love creates religion, not relationship. There's got to be a proper tension in our life as believers. I don't want to get so far down knowledge thinking that knowledge saves me because in the end, knowledge will puff me up. If I, don't have, if, I, if, I, if I lack humility in understanding the grace of God, my knowledge will become an idol that I put in my life. But if I just have obedience without love, it can create a religion, not relationship. And so there is this proper tension that we've been talking about as a church. Jesus was a man that was filled with what? Grace and truth. There's that proper tension that we have to walk in as believers. Here's a third observation that I, that I observed as I studied some scripture the last couple of weeks. You will have enough to face whatever is in front of you. Let's, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 out of the Amplified Bible. Here's what it says. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation he has in the past and is now, will always provide the way out as well, so that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Do you realize that no matter what you're facing this morning, God is the God that is going to cause you to win. The process of God will never cause you to face a temptation that he will not give you strength to say no to. And also, the process of God will never cause you to face a dream that he will not give you the strength to say yes to. My encouragement this morning is that each and every one of us would say yes to the prayer. We would say yes to the process so that we can say yes to the product that God wants us to become. Would you repeat these words after me? Would you say prayer, process, product? This pastor, Brooke, would you come back to the keyboard? This pastor wants to lightly remind you this morning, lightly remind you, to not abandon the process because it's in the process that you become the product. Would you stand under your feet all across this room? Let's take 60 seconds and ask the Lord. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our midst. We thank you, God, that you're a God that doesn't abandon people in the process. You, you don't just put us at the start of something and leave us and hope that we make it at the end. 
that you're not just the God of the mountains, you're not just the God of the valleys, you're the God of everything in between and those. Father, I'm, I'm reminded today, I'm reminded of the last 20 years of, of chasing after you and then living in this fallen world. I'm reminded of what they've, what they've said and what they've experienced in my wife and my son. I'm thankful that you did not abandon people in the process. You didn't cause it. But like a savior and a superhero, man, you came running to help people in the middle of their process. I'm thankful, God, that, that you're, you're steady. Would you just listen to this pastor's prayer this morning, that you're steady to allow people to question you in the middle of their process. Father, you get a lot of blame for things that people think that you do, but you're just here trying to help. This pastor doesn't even have to defend you for you to be God. You need no defense. The enemy has, has breathed so many lies into humanity, the worst of which is that we serve a God that has abandoned or left or caused. You did nothing of the sort. When you saw humanity's need, when you saw this family's need, when you saw what Jay and Brooke and Jaden and Jace were going to go through, you didn't run from us. You ran to us. And Father, I thank you this morning that you're no respecter of persons. But no matter who's in this room this morning, no matter what they're going through, what circumstance they might be facing, that you're not just the God of their mountain this morning, you're also the God of their valley. You're the God of their rejoicing and also you're the God of their mourning. And so Heavenly Father, I lift my hands up and in surrender, I thank you for your salvation. And Father, I say my obedience is gonna to lead to my victory. And so Father, I'm gonna praise you before the breakthrough. I'm gonna praise you even when I don't see what you're doing. I'm gonna praise you when I don't see the answer, but by faith, I know the answer's already here. And Father, by faith, I'm declaring victory over individuals in this church, not tomorrow, not a week from now, but right now. Father, I thank you that sickness and infirmities are leaving now in Jesus' name. I thank you that restoration of marriages is happening right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that sons and daughters are coming home. Father, I thank you for this church, the best days of it being ahead. And Father, I even changed my vernacular. The best, the best days of this church aren't ahead, they're right now, they're today. Because by faith, by faith and through obedience, we get to see everything that you've asked us to be able to see. So Father, I thank you that you're causing a, a perspective change. That Father, is from the prepare of commitment that we walk through the process to become the product that you want us to be. Father, cause every person in this room to be committed to the process so that they can become the product that you've called them to. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. You say, Pastor, I want to be committed to the process, but I've never really even prayed the prayer of commitment. And this morning I realize that I've blamed God for a lot of things that I shouldn't have blamed God for. I've not even understood what he did for me. Like he ran to me in the middle of my despair. That's the simple gospel, friend. The simple gospel is, is nothing in your own power can ever reunite you with God, yet Jesus crawled up on that cross paying a debt that he did not owe. And he didn't stop there. He conquered the tomb so that we could have victory. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, Christians praying everywhere. You say, Pastor, I need to make that prayer of commitment today that I want to I wanna sign up, not for a cruise ship, but for a battleship. I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. If that's you, would you slip up your hands so I can see it? Yes, hands. I see your hands. Yes, hands. I see your hands, ma'am. Yes, I see your hands. Sir, I see your hand up there. Ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, I thank you for your hand here, sir. Yes. 
I see your hand, young man. Thank you. The greatest decision that you will ever make is that prayer of commitment that lends you to the process to become the product of God. Parkway, would you help me out? Would you guys pray this prayer after me along with those that just raised it? If you raised your hands, could you look at me just for a second? I want to I look at you. It's the greatest decision that you will ever make, giving your heart to Jesus. It is really, it's really putting the devil on notice that my legacy is changing. My future is not his anymore, it's his. And what a beautiful thing it is. Lynn, could you, could you, I don't mean to point you out, but the Lord wants to do something special in your life, young man. Could you come pray for this young man right here? Church, would you stretch your hands towards this young man? Lord's doing something really special in his life. If there's some uh, people that know what's happening, would you go, yeah, Bobby, thank you. Where's, uh, we're gonna do this as, as, a, as, as a body. John, come here really quick. Would you just pray a prayer of, of blessing and faith over this young man? Yes. Yes, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Father, as your word has gone forth with power, Father, you've spoken to the heart of a young man who's raised his hand, who wants to commit himself to you. Yes. Father, we pray a hedge of protection over him, Lord, and covering around him. We pray, yes. Lord, right now as we pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to him, that your Holy Spirit would give him the faith to believe that you are who you say you are. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the yes. beginning and the end. You are Jehovah Jireh. So, Father, we pray, Lord, as he walks through these days ahead, Father, yes. that you will bring people alongside of him to walk with him in faith, believing that you are able. Lord, his life will change, Father. I just pray, Lord, you'd help him to be obedient. I pray, Father, you'd give him wisdom, Lord, beyond his years, that, Father, as he walks into the future, Father, you will recognize obedience. You're just asking obedience and faith and trust in you. And so we will give you praise and glory for all the wonderful things you're about to do in his life. And we will give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you. I'm going to switch to this one. Son, I, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but I, I got this picture. I got this picture uh, as you were praying and tears were coming down your cheeks that the enemy is scared of you because of what your future destiny possesses. I feel like there's things in your story that you've been like, God, I don't know why I've had to deal with this or why you've asked me to deal with it. And the whole time you've known that he's a good God and he's a good father. But there's almost like a coming home to understanding where the battle is actually from. It's not from God. It's from the enemy trying to keep you from the destiny that you called. And I felt like today it's over. Today, it's, the battle's not over. But the, 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 the mind games are over, that, that the God that you're going to start running to is actually the God that's going to provide the greatest things that you've ever seen before in your entire life. And the future of blessing and, and hope and love is going to be incredible. I would never embarrass anybody for the world. I've been here almost a year and a half, and I don't think I've actually done this. I felt like I was supposed to do that, but I, I felt like I needed to build a trust in a congregation to be able to do this. But God has his hand on you. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what your process looks like, but I know that we have some people in this church that are part of the Yes Team um, that would love to come alongside you. There's some good people that are already standing right next to you. Uh, if you guys can exchange phone numbers, get a part of a life group. Son, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you stretch your hands towards heaven and I just wanna pray over you? Heavenly Father, every assignment of the enemy that's been on this young man's life, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And we thank you that you've given us the power and authority, not just to bind things, but loose things. And so, Father, we pray for blessing and favor. And, Father, we pray for peace where there's been a lack of peace. We thank you for hope when there's been despair. Father, and we thank you that this day is a new day in this young man's life, a day when he says, yes, the prayer of commitment. And now, Father, let me enter the process to become the man of God that you've called me to be. Church, would you give Jesus one big round of applause in this place? Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you how good the enemy is. Let me tell you how good the enemy is. As I was talking 
and speaking the word of God over that young man, there were people in this room that were like, why, why isn't God doing that for me? Why doesn't he ever single me out? Why, why I raise my hand? Listen to me. The devil is a liar. And it doesn't matter if a man on a platform sees you. God sees you. And today is the day. T- today is the day. Hearts surrendered, learning how to walk in obedience to victory. And what you're going to become is from the prayer of commitment, you're going to walk through a process to become the product of God. And that's not just, listen to me, that's not just what God wants to do with us individually. That's what God wants us to do corporately. The last thing that we should pray for for Parkway is smooth sailing. The last thing that we should pray for. Uh, you know what I've been praying since I've been here? Pastor St. John, give me, Lord, bring them all to me. Bring every fight my way, every struggle my way so that I have to lean on you, God. So, so that when, when, some, when, when the revival happens at Parkway that's already here, people will look at this guy and go, there's no way. And I'm going to say, you're right. I didn't do it. He did it. And that's how God does it. Amen? The prayer of faith. The process. The process. My, my wife and this worship team have a couple more worship songs to sing, but I'm just, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. Do we ever pray the prayer of salvation? All right, let's do that first, all right, before I get going. I want you to pray this prayer after me, all right? Again, it's not, it's not the prayer as a formula that saves you. It's a surrendered heart. Like, like I'm feeling off of some of you that raised your hands this morning, like you're just tired. You're tired of going through a roller coaster, like cycling through. You tried it all. You might as well try him. And don't just try him. If you'll surrender your life to him and begin to walk this out in obedience, the thing that you've been searching for, the thing that you've actually been after, won't be someday. It'll be today. You hear it? You hear it? So this prayer as a formula doesn't save you. It's just a simple confession of my faith and belief that, Lord, this is my prayer of commitment. Like, I'm going to serve you with my whole life. And I recognize from what this pastor is talking about today that I'm not entering in a cruise ship. It's a battleship. It's going to be a war. It's going to be a fight. But here's what I know about people that have, that have been in sin for a long time. They know how to fight. They've just been fighting the wrong battle. When the enemy thought he was taking you out, he was actually producing in you a fight that was going to cause you to be the man or woman of God that you've called to be. And so we're going to pray this prayer. And again, it's not a, it's, there's not some special prayer that you pray, that one's right and one's wrong. It's a surrendered heart that confesses Jesus is Lord and thanks Him for saving you. And when you confess that in your, out of your mouth and you believe in your heart, the Bible says you, sh- you shall be saved. Not you might be. Not tomorrow or a week from now. And you're going to find, you're going to find, I'm sorry I keep staring at you, but I feel like I'm just talking straight to you this morning. When you're going to find that when there's that surrender, if you'll listen, you'll hear heaven rejoicing. You'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear heaven rejoicing. Because, man, what an incredible thing it is to, to, to understand that there's been a bridge that's been gapped, and it's Jesus. And I don't, I don't, I don't have to be in religion. I can be in a relationship. What, what a beautiful thing. So let's pray. Would you, would church, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Say, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, today, I recognize my need of you. I have fallen woefully short. I mean, at some points in my life, it's been embarrassing. I said that for me, not for you guys. Lord, but I'm thankful that you ran to me, not from me. This morning, today, right now, I confess my need of you. I believe in my heart that you died on that cross and you rose from that grave, not just for somebody, but for me, to establish a relationship between me and my Heavenly Father. And I'm thankful this morning that what you start, you're able to see to its finish. 
And so, Father, this morning, I commit myself to the process to become the product of God. All of me for all of you. God, I'm all in. Everything that I am, I'm all in. My dreams, my hopes, my plans, my insecurities, my fears, my failures, my doubts. God, I am all in. There's no holding back. I know what I'm going after. I'm going after you. And in Jesus' name we pray this. And everybody says, could we rejoice with heaven this morning? Hallelujah. I love, I love what God begins to do in a congregation, and I and I recognize if you've never been to a church like this, this could be abnormal. Where um, it could seem like to you that a rando stranger is going to come grab this microphone and share. We believe in body ministry. Corinthians twelve uh, talks about the spiritual gifts and diversity in the body of Christ, and we also give people to come up here and gra- uh, freedom to grab this microphone. Not everybody. You got to come, you know, through proper channels, but. But to, to open, open the, the body up to body ministry and how God confirms what he's doing through different people. And we give them the grace and mercy that if it doesn't come off exactly right or, or it doesn't sound right, I'm not just saying this for you, I'm saying it for future people that come up here. Um, I just want you to know this pastor's committed to seeing what I see in Scripture be played out amongst us. I don't believe the, the book of Acts is over. 
I believe we're a continuation of that early church that should be seeing gifts and operations and signs and wonders and miracles. And uh, so if you're a new believer here, don't, don't mind all the old crusties because you're just along for the ride and you're just you're game for it because you know God's in it. Uh, but I want you to know that there's basis for this and, and not to be scared. And if I need to come up and, and provide some context, I will. But Bonnie just came and said, I just felt like I wanted to share about the process, something that the Lord's laid on my heart. So here she is. Um, so last year, a little bit before um, Mother's Day weekend, I'm going to try to keep it together because God is here. Um, I was struggling. I was struggling to keep my head above water. And I prayed that. I prayed that to God. God, I'm just struggling. And I just need you. I need you to correct me. I need you to be here. Not that he wasn't there, but I just felt like I could hold, I could hardly hold my head above water. And then um, Mother's Day weekend, our family loves camping. And so Mother's Day weekend every year is the kickoff to our camping. And um, as we got there, my husband, my twins, my son, we went walking to scope out the scene as we normally do um, before, after we unloaded everything, right? And all of a sudden, people come running up that someone had gone into the river. And I knew exactly God had given me the vision who it was. So my husband ran back to our campsite, and I ran down to the river. Mind you, I had my nine-year-old son and my twins with me. And without skipping a beat, I saw who was in the river. And I jumped in, not even thinking about what I was leaving on the on on the riverbanks, I jumped in. And as soon as I hit the water, I heard Satan going, I told you you weren't worthy to have them. I told you. You've been saying you can't keep your head above water. Well, you're definitely not now. And I was struggling and struggling, and I saw two of my friends pass away and float down the river. And on the riverbanks, I could see my husband struggling to get to me. <clears throat> and I could see my babies just breaking down. And of course, I'm, I'm listening and I'm working out and I'm moving and I'm trying to do the thing. And Satan, again, I told you. I told you. You're not worthy of them. You think your head couldn't float your head above the water. And then in a matter of a second, I just said, Jesus. And in that second, I felt the calm, and I heard him say, trust me. Trust me and breathe. I took a deep breath in. I took a deep breath out. I looked at my husband, and he got the rope to me. And he pulled me to shore. And so when we think of process, we think it's going to be this pretty thing. And I could focus on what Satan is continuing to tell me. The loss of friends, the trauma, the nightmares, all of that. But you know what God has done? He's redeemed my life. I focus on the daily gifts that he has given me with them. I focus on the daily things that he is saving in us. I focus on the daily affirmations of him going, the process is hard. You will want to give up. You will want to struggle to survive. But the reality is, focus, breathe, and I can give you the gift of life. And so I want you to know that I, I know there are people in here that are struggling to keep their head above water, and I'm telling you, God is there to save you. He is your life preserver. And don't be afraid in those moments to say, God, I am struggling. I see you, daughter. I know you are, and that's why I'm here with you. So just remember, to bring it to him and to put Satan on the side. Because the process is what he, I'm stronger now. I've given away the things that I was focusing on more. I'm focusing more on my God. I'm focusing more on the day to day. And so I just want that to sit in your guys' hearts. Just sit with him in that process. So thank you, God, for that moment. So encouraged. So encouraged. I was in my, my prayer closet this last week, and it's when I say my prayer closet, just to be clear, I'm not in a closet praying. I just call that my private place when I'm with him and I'm talking.
to him about you, and I pray for you guys on, on the daily. Um, it messes me up when you guys switch seats because I usually will go through sections and pray. So if, if you happen to move a section and I don't get you, that's your own fault, all right? Um, but I pray, and what I heard the Lord speak to me just as we get ready to close this morning is I, I heard the Lord say, encourage your people not to be discouraged in their process. And I love what Bonnie just got up and shared because, you know, um, quite obviously, you know, watching you guys go through that journey of, of just craziness. I don't even know what to describe that. Losing uh, close friends down at the river. Um, watching you guys and praying for you guys and calling you guys and watching you walk through that process. And how do you handle that? Like he's not just the God of the mountaintop. He's also the God that walks us through the valleys. Um, I just felt like I was supposed to encourage our church it, with a simple message from the prayer of commitment. You got to go through the process to become the product that God wants you to come. Hey, listen, sometimes the process is of God's choosing. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1. By the Spirit, he was led in the wilderness to be tempted. Most of the time, it's done by our own disobedience. But God has a way of using whatever life hands our way to molding us and perfecting us to be the people that we're called to be. And so this pastor loves you. I encourage you. Don't give up. You're going to make it. God's got you. He's got you exactly where he wants you. And no matter where you're at, just take a lean in. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Uh, before we close, I, I know that um, Don, is Don Miller still here? Don's. Don, this pastor loves you. We lost a, a pillar, a titan of this church in Edith Miller. She's in heaven. Um, we want to make sure we pray over you. I see Terry there. Terry, this. This church family loves you. I think the funeral services are going to be, memorial services are going to be on Saturday, 11 o'clock, here at the church. If you could make it, we'd love to have you here. Um, but I didn't want this service to go by without letting you know that this church loves you. Um, I did what I felt like Edith would have wanted me to do, which is get up here and just preach that message. Um, when I first arrived here, before the church even started paying me, I had to go visit Keith Ruska in the hospital. Can you believe that? He had a heart attack or something and made me go visit him. How dare him? And while I was visiting Keith, Edith was in the hospital room next, just dealing with some stuff. And the best way I could describe that moment, Don, with you and, and Edith in that hospital room, it was, it was heaven on earth. It was glory. We spent about 90 minutes in that hospital room, and uh, we had the presence of God thick in that room, and it knit our hearts. And uh, this pastor in this church thanks you for all that you've done, all that your family means. Uh, but also, we're not going to stop there. We're going to see the, the move of God that God's promised through this body. And it's going to be thanks to faithful men and women like you and Edith. And uh, Edith is, is now part of that great cloud of witnesses that's viewing, even this moment now. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful that this is not goodbye. It's, we're going to see you very soon. And in the meantime, we're going to gain as many people that we can for Jesus. So when we get up to heaven, we can introduce them to that mighty woman of God that's been by your side for, did you say 70-something years? 68 years. Would you stretch your hands towards Don and the family? Heavenly Father, we pray as they mourn, as they grieve, that your peace and your comfort will be with them on their family. We thank you, God, that we don't have to mourn like those that don't have hope. But, Father, we're thankful for the blessed hope that you've given us, that it's real, it's tangible, and it's felt even now in their life. We pray for Don. We pray for Dan and Terry. We pray for the, the daughter-in-laws. We pray for the grandkids. Father, that we know her life impacted her family for your glory, but even in her death. I even see that through this, grandkids and sons and, 
and relationships with the Lord are going to grow closer because that's the kind of woman that she was. So Heavenly Father, we pray a prayer of blessing, comfort as they grieve. We thank you for the life that they are living and lead. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says amen and amen. This pastor loves you. I'll see you guys tonight. Volunteer, 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall.